Good morning. Uh, I'm Ben Wickberg. As you may notice, I am not Gwen Hampton. We want to welcome those of you who are joining us in the sanctuary, and we want to welcome those of you who have joined us on the live stream. And thank, I want to thank people for wearing their mask while they are out of their pews and remind them that this is one of the ways that we can follow Jesus' command to love your neighbor. It is a joy to be back with you after being gone last Sunday. I have to say, last Sunday I found myself, it was Laity Sunday, and you all did an amazing job. I cannot tell you how many emails and texts I got saying what a wonderful service it was. But I have to admit, I had this urge to be with you all after having heard the devastating news of Uvalde, and I thought I need to be there, not because you need me here, but because I needed to be with community. And then we get another chance this week. I woke up this morning and listened to the news and heard that this morning they had had a shoot, or last night a shooting in Philadelphia, a mass shooting. Friends, it was the sixth mass shooting of the weekend of the weekend. We are wearing red today for Pentecost. I've also told you for years that orange is also a color. I am wearing my orange stole today because not only in celebration of Pentecost, but because orange is the color of gun of violence awareness. Uh, so this morning, we light a candle in remembrance of the Tulsa victims of mass shooting. And we pray for their families and loved ones. And we pray that we have the courage to work for change in our country. We pray for the family of Dr. Preston Phillips, Dr. Stephanie Hewson, receptionist Amanda Glenn, and patient William Love, who held the door open so that people could escape. But as Jesus reminds us, we also hold the family and the loved ones of the shooter, Michael Lewis, in prayer. Lord, in your mercy, it's June, it is the beginning of Pride Month, and so I want to voice that as a church, St. Paul's United Methodist Church acknowledges the harm that has been done to the LGBT community in the name of God and often propelled by the institution of the church. We acknowledge that the harm still being inflicted today by the exclusions of the United Methodist Church. And as a community of faith, as a body of Christ, St. Paul's is committed to working for justice and alleviating oppression, discrimination, and pain that is often done by the church to our LGBTQ siblings. We have a statement of resistance that was adopted in 2019, and it is the foundation of the work in the ministries of this church. I read it to you this morning as a reminder of who we are. We as United Methodists have pledged to accept the freedom and the power that God has given us to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. Thus, we stand in opposition to our, on, to our ongoing discrimination against our LGBTQ siblings. We as St. Paul's United Methodist Church vow to firmly resist that oppression until all are offered full inclusion in the church. And friends, I do believe that day is coming and that we can see it as this split begins to happen. So, will you go with me to God in prayer? Oh, gracious and loving God, we do indeed give you thanks for this morning.
We give you thanks that you have called us to this place, that you have called us to be a community. God, we know that we don't have to ask you to be here. You are present wherever we are, just yearning for us to turn to you. So God, we ask that you put in us the desire to be fully present to you during this time. Open our hearts and come, Holy Spirit, come. Amen. St. Paul's United Methodist Church welcomes, affirms, and extends our love to all persons, regardless of age, ethnicity, income, nationality, life experiences, abilities, sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression. All are welcome into our family. Um, as I prepared to pray today, I found myself um, at a loss for words. It is... I feel a lot of things. <laughs> I feel sad and angry and tired. And uh, thankfully, though I was without words, I found someone who found the words that I that speak to how I am feeling and probably how you're feeling too. Um, so I credit this prayer to um, James Martin, S.J. And it's called um, A Prayer to End Gun Violence. So join me in the spirit of prayer. Holy One, we come before you once again after yet another and another shooting. And we are sad, God. So we ask you to receive into your loving care the souls of those who were killed to care for those who were wounded or hurt in any way, to console the family members and friends of those who died or were wounded, to strengthen the hands of rescue workers, medical professionals, and caregivers. We also pray, too, for the shooters, oh God. All of this makes us inexpressibly sad, but we know that the sadness we feel is your sadness. It is the same sadness your son expressed when he wept over the death of his son Lazarus. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We are tired, God. We are tired of the unwillingness to see this as an important issue. We are tired of those in power who work to prevent any real change. We are tired of those who say that gun violence can't be reduced. All of this makes us tired. But we know that that tiredness we feel is your tiredness. It's the same tiredness that Jesus felt after his own struggles against injustice that led him to fall asleep on the boat with his disciples. Lord, in your mercy, hear our, hear our prayers. prayers. We are angry, God. We are angry at the seeming powerlessness of our community to prevent this. We are angry at the selfish financial interests who block change. We are angry that these shootings happen at all. But we know that this anger is your anger. It's the same anger Jesus felt when he overturned the tables in the temple, angry that anyone would take advantage 
of anyone in any way. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. God, help us to see these feelings as the way that you move us to act. Help us to see these emotions as your own desire for change, because we know that this is the way you move people to action. We know that you desire action, for Jesus did not stand by while people were being hurt. He plunged into their lives. So help us to answer these questions. How can we help? How can we fight against gun violence? How can we urge our political leaders to enact change? How can we help people understand that this is an issue about life? Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. prayers. We are sad over the loss of life, tired of excuses for this loss of life, and angry that we are paralyzed by the loss of life. Turn our sadness into compassion. Turn our tiredness into advocacy and turn our paralysis into the freedom to act. Help us to be compassionate, to advocate, and to act as your Holy Son did. We pray all of this through our sadness, our weariness, and our anger as we say together with one voice, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, friends, it is Pentecost Sunday, a Sunday that we celebrate 50 days after Easter. Now, with the marking date of being associated with Easter, one would think that Pentecost is a uniquely Christian celebration. But Pentecost was and still is a Jewish festival one that celebrates the giving of the law, the Torah to Moses, and it's associated with the thanksgiving of the harvest. For the Jewish people, Pentecost is celebrated 50 days after Passover. And in our scripture this morning, the Jewish people from all over have gathered in Jerusalem, as is the custom in celebrating Jewish festivals. Now, you may remember in Luke's version of the resurrection, Jesus told the disciples to stay in Jerusalem until the coming of the Holy Spirit. And although they had no idea what to expect, they stayed. And that's where we find them this morning, in Jerusalem, waiting. I will be reading from Acts 2, 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now there were devout Jews from every people under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at the sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered. 
because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they ask, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious days. Then everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Will you go with me to God in prayer? Oh, gracious and loving God, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. For indeed, you are our rock and our redeemer. And God, at this time especially, I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come. God, fill me with your spirit so that it is your word, not mine, that is heard. Fill me with your spirit so that it is your word that lands in our heart and leads us to transformation. So that it is your word that comes back to us throughout the week and causes us to ponder. So that it is your word that gives us the courage to respond. Amen. Well, I have to say, I love the dramatics and the visual and auditory images of this passage. The rush of the violent wind and the energy that was that like a fire. It drew them. It was so powerful that it drew the disciples into the streets that was filled with people from all over. People that spoke so many different languages. And yet, they were able to understand exactly what was being said. They were able to understand it in their own language. And, and, and not because all of a sudden they all understood this new language, but because they were able to take the words that were being spoken and make meaning of them in a way that they understood. Now some of you have heard me say before that when I've gone to Austria to visit my aunt and uncle and I go to mass with my aunt, it is all in German and I don't speak a word. And yet, when the congregation sings, 
when they have responsive readings, when the priest speaks. I have an understanding of what is being said. I hear it in my ears and I understand it with my heart. And I think that's exactly what happened on that day in Jerusalem. People from all over were able to feel in their heart that something was different. And there was an excitement and an energy that they had not understood before or experienced. And now they got it. Now, as promised by Jesus before he departed, the Holy Spirit came and descended on the people. Now, friends, this was not the beginning of the Holy Spirit. No, she had been with God since the very beginning. And throughout the Hebrew Bible, we hear stories that the Spirit was within individuals. But this was the first time that's recorded <clears throat> that the Spirit descended on a group of people, filling them with energy and filling them with power and enthusiasm. And it's what we have often come to think of as the birth of the church. You see, it was that that was the impetus that moved the disciples and the followers of Jesus out of the upper room, out of Jerusalem, and gave them the impetus to continue the work that Jesus had begun. Now friends, I think so often we think of Pentecost as the beginning of the summer celebration in the church. We wear red, we sing spirit songs, and we celebrate the gift. Yet we often fail to recognize its significance. See, my friends, Pentecost is right up there with Christmas and with Easter. Pentecost is what calls us to do what Christ has called us to do. Friends, it is Pentecost that keeps the story of Christmas and Easter alive. And I often wonder, why don't we get the big woohoo for Pentecost like we do for Christmas? Why don't we have Pentecost candy? Pentecost greeting cards? Why don't we decorate our houses and our communities for Pentecost? Why? Because Pentecost means that Jesus has passed the baton to us to do the work that we need to do. And friends, that can be a bit daunting. Friends, it is so easy to get excited about Christmas and the birth of Jesus. It is easy to sing, come, let us adore him. And it's easy for us to mourn the death of Jesus on Good Friday because we know it's not going to last. And what joy it is on Easter morning to sing, Christ the Lord has risen today. But we are simply passive observers of Christmas and Easter. Yes, they both have grand implications for our lives as Christians. But to be honest, all we have to do is show up for Christmas and Easter. It's still going to happen year after year but not Pentecost. Through Pentecost, Jesus says, okay, church, it's up to you now to carry on. You have work to do. I have showed you what it means to love God. I've showed you what it means to love your neighbor. I've showed you what it means to feed the hungry and to turn over tables when you see injustice being done in God's name. I've showed you what it means to heal the sick. And friends, 
Jesus is telling us that that work still needs to go on. Jesus is telling us at Pentecost, I need you, each and every one of you, to be the vehicle of God's work. Jesus is reminding us that his earthly presence isn't here anymore. And friends, that is a heavy responsibility. It's our call. But we don't have to do it on our own. Not only do we have the model of what that looks like from Jesus, but Pentecost reminds us that the same fuel that was given to Jesus is given to us. Do you remember when he was baptized? Our scriptures tell us the spirit came down like a dove and landed on him. And once that spirit landed on him, then, then he began his ministry. And friends, it's that same spirit that comes to us to live in us and among us, to live around us and to live through us. That same spirit that was in Jesus is in us. And it is the spirit that truly becomes the wind beneath our wings. Our scripture tells us that when the Holy Spirit comes, we will dream dreams and have visions and we will be propelled to follow them. And it won't just be some people. It will be all. The gift of the Holy Spirit is that part of God that comes and lives in us. Not just some of us, my friends, but all of us. The Holy Spirit is what marks our Christian identity. And friends, to be honest, we could not do this work that Jesus has called us to do on our own. We could not do this journey with simply... <clears throat> inspirational stories of Jesus to recall, or with just a cognitive understanding of God, the one who created all that is, and the one that loves us beyond measure. No, the Holy Spirit, that which we celebrate on this Sunday, is what makes us one with God and one with each other. And friends, the Holy Spirit is what not only calls us to action, but it gives us the wind to fly. You often hear me <clears throat> ask you to pay attention to those nudges that you get, to do something that you feel, to get involved, to pick up the phone or to call someone that's on your heart, to stand up for injustice or to take food to someone that is sick, to write your legislature or to adopt a rescue pet. You see, friends, when those nudges that you feel make our world a better place, you can be assured they are nudges from the Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit that is living in you. Yet way too often we ignore those nudges or we dismiss them or we acknowledge we don't have the energy today to follow that nudge. But what if we allowed ourselves to honestly pray each day, God, give me the courage Give me the strength and give me the desire to follow those nudges that you give me. Oh, what a difference we would see in our lives, but in the world as well. I think the Bible verse, Matthew 7, 7, that says, Ask and you will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Has been so misused and abused by those who think, Oh, if I just pray hard enough, I'll get that new car or that new job. Or if I just pray hard enough, my cancer will go away. No, friends. 
that scripture in Matthew is about our faith. When we allow ourselves to seek the guidance, to seek the courage, to seek the desire to follow the nudgings of the Holy Spirit, it will indeed be given to us. Ask, seek, knock, and we will find it. And friends, I want you to hear me on this, please. Sometimes, sometimes the nudgings of the Holy Spirit are to simply be still and know that I am God. Sometimes the nudging of the Holy Spirit is to be still and to be healed. Now I know there are some of you here today or that are listening to us through the gift of technology who are tired and wounded. You don't have the energy right now to get up and respond. Not now. So let the Holy Spirit lead you to rest, lead you to healing, lead you to wholeness, lead you to restoration. And I pray that this church, St. Paul's United Methodist Church, can be a safe haven for those who are wounded from devastating harm from the church. That St. Paul's can be a safe haven for those who have gone through hardships and heartaches and simply need a supportive community to sink into while they regroup. I pray that St. Paul's can be a respite from the chaos of this world. And if that's the place you find yourself in now, then rest, rest. Rest and know that you are surrounded by people who love you and who care for you and who want to share God's goodness with you. Rest in the Holy Spirit. Yes, our scripture from Acts shows us that fiery wind blowing blowing the Holy Spirit. But in the Gospel of John, Jesus shows us another side of the Holy Spirit. It's not a different Holy Spirit, just a different aspect, a different part of God that lives within us. Jesus tells his disciples in the Gospel of John, don't be sad when I'm gone, because when I leave, you're going to get something even better than me. I'm going to send you a paraclete the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you a comforter, an advocate, a friend, a companion, an intercessor, a teacher, an encourager. And when Jesus says to his disciples, my peace I leave you, he is saying, I'm going to leave you the same peace that I have. And friends, that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. She inspires us. She fires us up. She energizes us, she guides us, and yet she also comforts us and restores us as both friend and companion. So if you are tired and need to rest for a while, rest. This can be a safe place. Let God's Spirit nurture you, care for you, and let you heal. And when you are ready, I am confident that the Spirit will have work for you to do. You see, friends, I believe with everything I have that there are times when, with all of us, when all we can do is pray. It is a much needed first step. And yes, there are times when it is the only step. But most often, when the wind of the Holy Spirit that comes beneath our wings, prayer leads us to action. For some, 
That action is big and it's public and it's on a grand stage that leads to substantial changes in our world. And for some, that action leads to donating blood at a blood bank, to showing up at a rally or a protest against injustice, or to writing a legislator, or reaching out to someone is hurting. Prayers for St. Paul's may lead you to finding ways to get involved with our ministries or adding a bit more to the offering plate so that we can continue our ministries. Prayers, prayers that St. Paul's has a vital children's and youth ministry may lead a nudge to volunteer or to offer encouragement for those who are volunteering. When you pray, oh God, help us get manna meals started again so that we can feed your hungry, it may just lead to you figuring out a way to volunteer. Yes, friends, I think that when we pray, it opens a door for the Holy Spirit to come through. And it is that prayer that often leads us to action of some sort. We were at annual conference a couple of weeks ago when we received word of the Uvalde massacre at Robb Elementary School. And one of our conference leaders got up and encouraged us all to pray diligently. And then he said, pastors pray. Pray hard and keep praying. Now don't get political, but keep praying and lead your congregation in prayer. Well, if you know me very well, you may have guessed that that riled my feathers a bit. Because friends, we can't just keep praying about gun violence. Oh, we have been praying. We have prayed since Columbine. It's the first step. And it's time now for us to do something. And saying don't get political means not taking a step. Now, I reminded this person in a very respectful way. I even had Emily and Linda Berry read the letter that I sent before I pushed send. But I reminded that person that being political is what got Jesus killed. Jesus wasn't a Democrat or a Republican, and that's not what political means. It doesn't mean siding with a political affiliation. To be political means to work for policy changes that reflect the work and the ministry of Jesus. To be political means to stand up to injustice and say enough is enough. To be political means to do what we can do with the fuel of the Holy Spirit to make our world safe for all people and for all creation to have abundant life. My friends, to be political means to do what we can as we pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And friends, our responsibility as the church, as the risen body of Christ, with the wind of the Holy Spirit fueling us forward, is to let God use us to usher in God's kingdom for all of God's people. Friends, it means showing up and marching in the pride parade as a public witness that St. Paul's is a safe, welcoming, and affirming place. It means being a church that strives to walk in the footsteps where Jesus leads us, to be a church, to be a community of faith, to be a voice that causes people to look at us and say, when we see St. Paul's, 
we see Jesus in action. Friends, please hear me. St. Paul's United Methodist Church is not this beautiful historic building with these beautiful stained glass windows. St. Paul's United Methodist Church is not this sanctuary that takes our breath away. And it's not the phenomenal music program that we have. St. Paul's is not the pastors and the staff. Friends, hear me. St. Paul's United Methodist Church is the people. You, you are the church. You don't go to St. Paul's, my friends. You are St. Paul's. And God is using you. God is using us through the power of the Holy Spirit to make a difference in our community and in the lives of those who are brave enough to come through our door seeking community and wholeness. Friends, I encourage you <clears throat> to begin each day with, come, Holy Spirit, come. Fill me up and lead me. Come, Holy Spirit, be the wind beneath my wings today. And then pay attention and see where the Spirit leads you. See where the Spirit leads us. Because, friends, it is the Holy Spirit that moves us from thoughts and prayers to action. May it be so. In the name of the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Sustainer. Amen. My friends, we have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, that same Spirit that moved and breathed in Jesus, moves and breathes in us. Breathe it in and let it fill you so that you take it out into the world, so that when people see you, they see Jesus reflected. Go in peace, go in love. Amen.